morning. It's been a long time since my, I've uh, been here. Uh, I want to let you know that your brothers and sisters in Christ uh, across the river at Calvary Baptist Church in Warwick, New York, that we've been praying for you regularly. Uh, what, a, what a tremendous occasion it was to be able to be here for the ordination and installation of Pastor Mike, uh, to be able to support you and support his family. We know it's been a long journey. It was a long journey, and then COVID happened, so we know that it was just an extra, extra hit on you. Uh, but we've been praying for you regularly, and I'm happy to be able to be here today. My family wishes they could all come here. We love coming here to Fishkill Baptist Church to worship with you. But there were just too many responsibilities by too many people in my family for us to work it all out. So you're just stuck with me here today. I'm sorry. Yeah. But I want to start by talking about some of the holidays that we have in the United States of America. We have some great holidays But there's something about some of these holidays that has always left me scratching my head and confused. And Chris, I can ask you to go to the next one. Let's take take Mother's Day, for example, right? On Mother's Day, Sunday in May, we are told to be extra kind, extra generous, extra considerate of mom for all that she's done. There are 365 days in a year, mom gets one. We move to the next one. Let's talk about Valentine's Day. Now, I am no marriage expert by any means. My wife would testify to that. I'm still learning things. But if you are going to take one day out of the year to be extra generous to your spouse, extra loving, extra kind, really try to meet their needs, I'm telling you that that is not the secret to a healthy marriage. One day out of the year. We'll even go to one of my favorite holidays of all time. We can go to the next one, Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving because, first of all, we get to eat a lot of food. We get to be with family, and there's no gifts, right? We don't have to buy any gifts or go through a store and and figure all that out. We just sit and be together and be thankful. It's a day to express our gratitude to God, to thank Him for the blessings that He has showered upon us in so many different ways. But is that a one-day-of-the-year event? Or is that something that should happen every single day of our lives when our eyes open every morning? Now we come to our last one. Thirteen days from today, this will be celebrating the birth of the Savior of the world. And I'm so thankful that Fishkill Baptist Church has this place decked out and that your focus is where it needs to be. But there are so many Christians who wait until December 24th or December 25th, to understand the magnitude of what God has done for us by sending his son Jesus into this world. So today we are going to get our minds in the right place. We are going to continue on with this Advent season, and we're going to talk about who Jesus is and what it is that we have to celebrate. And we're going to do do that not by talking about Mary or shepherds or magi or, or any other part of the Uh, most well-known passages that people would talk about during this time, but we are going to look at a public proclamation that John the Baptist made about who Jesus is. We're going to talk about the magnitude of the statement that he made. We're going to look at what it meant to the people who heard it on that day, and we're going to see that this phrase has just as much meaning today as it did so many years ago when John the Baptist said it out loud to those who were nearby. And this public proclamation is found in John chapter 1. I'm going to be reading verses 29 through 31, but we are going to focus very heavily on that phrase 
that John the Baptist uses to describe Jesus in John chapter 129. So if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to turn there. I'm going to ask Chris to move the slide. Look at that. He's already ahead of the game. Uh, But I would ask if you would please stand with me as we read from the Holy Word of God. It says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Would you pray with me now? Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it is truth. Thank you that in a culture that we live in that thinks that each person can have their own definition of truth, we thank you that we can come here today and we can hear from the truth, your word. Lord, I ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you want to teach us today, that you would get our focus in the right place, that we would recognize truly who Jesus is, that we would understand what it means that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and it would change us, not just be something nice that we hear, but it would spark a motivation in us to share this truth with others. So Lord, we ask that you would speak to us in a powerful way, as individuals and as a church. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Please be seated. So from our modern perspective, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, you call yourselves followers of Jesus, you've read parts of the New Testament or the Old Testament, chances are you might have a pretty good grasp of what it means that Jesus is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. It means that Jesus is the perfect and ultimate sacrifice for our sins. But one of the things that people don't usually think about is they don't think about what did it mean to the people who were standing there on that day. Those people who heard John the Baptist say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because there are, chances are, many more things that were rolling through their minds than the things that will be running through our mind today. So I want to take a look back, and I want to try to give a sampling of some of the things that could have been rolling through their minds. The first thing people could have been thinking about when they heard the Lamb of God is they could have been thinking about the celebration of Passover that was very near during this time. They would have thought about the sacrifice of the Passover Lamb. And this was a very important Jewish holiday. It was a time of remembrance It was a time of remembering the deliverance that God provided for the Israelites and the slavery that he saved them from in Egypt. And they remembered the sacrifice of this perfect lamb. And this lamb's blood was taken and it was sprinkled on the doorposts of each of the Israelites' homes and it spared their firstborn from death. Something else that could have been going through their mind when they heard this phrase, Lamb of God, was the importance of the daily sacrifice that took place at the temple. And in Exodus chapter 29, verses 38 and 39, it says this. It says that, Now this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs, a year old, day by day regularly. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. These sacrifices were offered regularly. And again, people's focus could have been drawn to that when they heard John the Baptist talking but the Lamb of God. Still others, they went back to the Old Testament prophets. There are many Old Testament prophets, specifically Jeremiah and Isaiah, who talked about one who would come, who would be led like a lamb to the slaughter. 
It's found in Jeremiah chapter eleven nineteen and Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7. The one who's suffering and pain and sacrifice would bring redemption to the nation of Israel. But there are still some other biblical scholars who go back even further than Jeremiah and Isaiah. They go all the way back to the book of Genesis. And they see this event that takes place in Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis chapter 22, we see a man named Abraham is called to do something by God that is incredibly challenging. He's called to take his son, Isaac, to a region called Moriah, to a mountain. And he has to sacrifice his son. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 2, Abraham is told by God, he says, Take your son, your only son, who you love. And there are many people who see so many similarities between Isaac and the coming of Jesus and the sacrifice that would be made in Jesus. And I want to share some of these similarities. The first is that Isaac and Jesus were both beloved sons. Right? When Abraham was told, take your son, your only son that you love, express the connection between Abraham and his son Isaac. And of course, Jesus is the beloved son of Almighty God. There are others who see some other commonalities. For example, Isaac's birth. Isaac's birth was really miraculous at the time because his parents were well beyond childbearing age. And clearly we can see the miraculous birth of Jesus being born to the Virgin Mary. But if we look back again to the events of Genesis 22, we see that Abraham and Isaac and some servants travel for three days to this region of Moriah. Then the servants are told to stay while Isaac and Abraham continue on the rest of the journey to the mountain where the sacrifice is going to take place. And we see that Abraham takes the wood for the fire for this burnt offering and he places it on the back of his son Isaac. And we see some, again, see the connection as Isaac is carrying the wood that's going to be for his own sacrifice. We see Jesus carrying the wood of the cross to the place of his crucifixion. But one of the biggest and most powerful foreshadowing events we see in this chapter for Genesis 22 is seen in the question that Isaac asks his father and the response that Abraham gives. And the words are on the screen. This is what what Isaac asks um, his father. He says, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham's response, he says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And God has provided the lamb. He has provided this lamb that is the perfect and ultimate sacrifice in the form of his son, Jesus. And this is not a sacrifice that will cover sins for a moment as it did in that time. It is not a sacrifice that will cover for a brief period of time, but it is a sacrifice that is sufficient for all time. And if you know how the scenario plays out, you know that Isaac's life is spared and that God provides the animal for the burnt offering caught in the thicket nearby. And after this offering is provided, Abraham has the opportunity to name the place where all of this happened. And again, it's amazing that Abraham would name it this way. He does not name it, the Lord has provided. He named it, the Lord will provide. And clearly God has provided. 
He has provided his beloved son as that ultimate lamb, sacrifice for our sins. Now, I have two older brothers. And if you are the youngest sibling in a family, you're going to understand my story a little bit. One of the hardest parts about having two older brothers is watching them do the things that I was never allowed to do, and it was so frustrating, especially when I thought I was physically able to, to, to handle my own and do the things that they were doing. And one of the things that was the most frustrating was, and I hope the picture is going to be able to come up here for you, was this rope swing. This rope swing is up in the Adirondacks. It's at the Scroon River in upstate New York. Many of you probably vacation around that area. I think that's around Word of Life area. Uh, But my family would go to a campground every single year, and we would visit this rope swing at the Scroon River. You would stand on this rusty garbage can. You would swing out to the highest point, let go of this rope, and land in the water. I know it doesn't sound that dramatic right now as I say it, and even to myself it sounds really boring, but it was everything to a nine-year-old boy who had to watch his brothers year after year do something that he was not physically capable yet of doing. And when the time finally came for me to be able to do this swing, I was so excited. I stood on that garbage can. I held on to that large, thick rope. And it was a great moment in my life. But what I didn't know at the time is that I had put myself in a very dangerous position. See, the picture doesn't really do it justice, but attached to that large rope that doesn't make its way into the water was a secondary rope that would lay in the water. It was smaller and skinnier. This way, when you landed in the water, you would grab that rope and you would bring it to the next person in line instead of trying to reach up and grab this rope that wasn't in the water. So as I'm standing on that garbage can ready for this life-affirming moment that I had built up in my mind for years, I didn't realize that that secondary rope had wrapped itself around my left arm. So as I swung out in textbook form, as I had seen so many times, and let go of the rope at the perfect moment, that secondary rope decided at that time to tighten around my left arm. There was a popping sensation. There was a searing pain that slid through my left hand. And really the worst thing that could have happened in that moment, of course, did. Rather than just carrying me back to shore with my left hand, that rope, after pulling that muscle extremely hard, decided to let go of me and drop me into the water. Far enough away from the shore that I wasn't able to stand yet. But there I was, in water, in big trouble. I'm going to be honest with you, I was a heavy kid. I don't know why my mom would buy these jeans, but she bought these jeans that literally said the word husky on the back. Why would you do that to a young boy, right? Like you're just setting your child up to be bullied. Trying to tread water with one hand, I'm sinking deeper and deeper into the water. And obviously this is going to become a very dangerous situation for me. But when John the Baptist declares that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he's telling us two very important things about our sin. And the first one is that we have sin that needs to be removed. You see, I placed myself in that river. My desire, my desperation to get on that garbage can and hold that rope put me in the position that I was currently in underneath the water. Paul writes to the church in Rome in Romans 3.23. He 
He says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That the thoughts, the actions, the words of each person has placed themselves in a dire situation. That my problem on the Scroon River is nothing compared to our inability to present ourselves before a holy, righteous, and perfect God because of the sin in our lives. So Jesus being called the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world reminds us of the state that we are in, the state that we have placed ourselves because of our own choices. But what happened next? Isn't it sad that we can remember the more traumatic events in our life more than we can remember the happy ones? I cannot tell you all the details of my wedding day. I'm glad I'm saying that while my wife is not here, right? But I can remember every single thing that happened to me on this day when this traumatic event took place. And as I slipped below the surface of the water, there was nothing that I could do to rescue myself. I was staring at my family on the water. It was like a submarine movie as the submarine goes underneath the water and it's like halfway under and halfway above the surface. And I'm looking at my family as I'm slowly sinking underneath. And don't get me wrong, I was trying. I was flailing that right arm as hard as I could. I couldn't use my left. I was kicking my feet as hard as I could, but I just sank deeper and deeper into the water. And in facing the problem of our sin, We cannot save ourselves. There is no amount of good deeds that we could ever do to set things right with a perfect, holy, righteous God. We cannot rescue ourselves through good church attendance or involvement in church activities. We cannot save ourselves through our religious rituals and traditions. But in that moment, I felt an arm grab me and pull my head above the water And as I looked to see who it was, I could not believe that it was my oldest brother, Brian, the worst swimmer in our entire family. A guy who once saw a worm in the water and thought it was a snake and vowed he would never swim in a lake ever again, jumped in from the shore to grab his little brother and pull him to safety. He handed me to my father, who tucked me under like a football and ran up the trail to a van where we went to Glens Falls Hospital and waited like two and a half hours for an x-ray. I think I was fine by the time the doctor even saw me. It didn't even really hurt much. But my simple story of being saved by my older brother is nothing compared to the saving that we have received from our Lord and Savior, Jesus. My arm is okay. It wasn't broken. I do have some permanent nerve damage that once I was putting something in the oven and it didn't even feel that the oven rack was searing through my skin. But I'm okay. But like I said, the story of my rescue is nothing compared to the rescue that we have received from Jesus. As I was putting this message together, my wife was reading a devotional series on Christmas from one of the Bible apps, and she came to the very end And she sent the passage to me, and I thought it was so perfect. It was so much better than anything I could have ever said. So I I typed it out, and I wanted to to share it with you now. And the, the first line will help you to realize why I think it should be included. It says, In Jesus we find our ultimate Savior, but from much more than the threat of drowning at the beach. Jesus rescued us from ultimate separation from God for eternity. Jesus saves his people by dying to redeem them, 
by giving the Holy Spirit to renew them by his power, by enabling them to overcome their spiritual enemies, by sustaining them in trials and in death, and by raising them up at the last day. This is my favorite part, the part that comes next. It says, Jesus was not God's plan B and sin into the world. He was God's plan A. And in his kindness, God sent his own son to live the perfect life and to die to save us from eternal separation from him. Thanks God for Jesus. So my hope is that we will not wait for Christmas Eve. We're not going to wait for Christmas Day to celebrate the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Finally, finally, some of you may have noticed that I skipped over the first word in that passage. But John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb Lamb of God. John the Baptist is saying, Hey, hey, I'm doing such a great job of paving the way for the Lord. He doesn't say, Hey, hey, everybody, look to your great works because they will save you. He doesn't say, Look to your religious rituals and traditions because they are the things that God really cares about the most. He tells the people who are standing there to look to the Lamb of God. He says to look to the one, the only one, who has the ability to remove your sin. So the question that we have this morning is, where is your attention? Where is your focus placed? And there are many things that are fighting for your attention multiple times every single day. If there are TV shows and there are movies that are fighting for your attention so the production companies and advertisers can make more money, they do not have your spiritual health or your closeness with Jesus in mind. There are news articles, political radio shows, cable TV news shows that are seeking to push your mind in a specific direction, and they do not have your closeness with Jesus as their priority. And sadly, many of us even have friends that are urging us to give our attention to things that will not bring us closer to the Lamb of God. I can honestly say that I do not think that there has ever been a time in human history that there has been greater access to things that are fighting for your attention. And many of us don't even realize the battle that is taking place for your focus. So again, what are you choosing to give your attention to? What is it that you are beholding right now? Are you looking to give your attention to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, or is your attention elsewhere? And it is amazing to me that John the Baptist's phrase that he said so many years ago has just as much importance to us today as it did that day that he said it. As we, get ready to celebrate my, as we get ready to celebrate Christmas, my hope is that your focus is in the right place. That as you're preparing for a family gathering, maybe getting ready to host, that you will continue to behold the Lamb of God and that preparation will not block that out and push that aside. As you're seeking to buy gifts and there's an endless online shopping spree or going from store to store, that you will make sure that your focus and your attention It's in the right place. So if you're here this morning or if you're watching this online and you are not a follower of Jesus, I'd like to ask you a few things to think about today. Is there something more about Christmas than our culture is telling you? Is there a deeper meaning than finding the best price or a really good bargain? 
Is there something more than just being extra generous or spending time with family? And the answer is a resounding yes. It is a time of celebration. And it goes so much beyond a fat guy in a red suit who breaks into our homes on Christmas Eve. That God did not just tell us how much he loved us, he showed us in a very real and powerful way. He sent his son, his only son, that he loves to be the perfect and ultimate sacrifice for your wrongdoing, the wrongdoing that has separated you from a right relationship with him, your creator. So I want to encourage you to take some time to pause to think a little bit deeper about what it is that you're celebrating this year. And if you're here today and you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you would classify yourself as a Christian. Are you caught up in the frenzy of activity that happens during this time of year? Is there a difference between your attitude and the attitude of a person who would not call themselves a Christian? I want to let you know that because of the events that have surrounded COVID, that people are more open than I have ever seen before in listening and talking about spiritual things. So are you taking the opportunity to talk to friends, to coworkers, to family members, to classmates about the hope that you have in the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? Are you simply sitting back and waiting for the perfect opportunity to present itself? Or are you speaking up? My hope is that you will seize the opportunity. Seize the opportunity in this dark world that we live in to bring the good news of the gospel message, a news of amazing hope, not just a material possession underneath a tree. But for all of us this morning, I hope is that we're going to take some time to remember the ultimate and perfect sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus and that we will put into practice the words of John the Baptist to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you again. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to remember Jesus in this way. Lord, we ask that you would help us. Help us to put aside all of the busyness of this season Help us to not get overwhelmed and just fall in line with the rest of our culture that is just screaming more and more materialism. That you would help us to behold the Lamb of God. That we would truly understand the magnitude of what you have done for us through your Son, Jesus. That we would behold him. That we would seriously consider where our attention is going every single day. Is it in the right place? And that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would would give us the strength that we need to make the changes that are necessary. I ask that you would put it on our hearts, the people that we need to share this good news with, that you would give us the boldness that you said that you will to be able to share that with people in a way that is loving, a a way that is considerate, a way that is kind, and in a way that represents you well. We pray these things in your name. Amen.